I'm Matt Crowder, professional musician, and happy to be back from Danville, Virginia. Be sure to follow us on Facebook.com slash The Decord or hit us up at The Decord on the Twitter. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud and iTunes as well. Also, keep sending in your original material to The Decord Show at gmail.com and I'll play it on the show. It's great to be back with episode 18. The Decord is now old enough to buy cigarettes. <laughs> this week's guests are Todd and Angela from Todd Johnson and The Revolvers. I met up with them in Meb in North Carolina on my way back home this past Sunday. We set up in Angela's store, Grit and Grace. Very cool spot, and I recommend checking that out if you're ever in the area. We had a great conversation with lots of laughs, plus original music from the artists themselves. The D-Chord starts now in a world where music is passion. You, you like it. it. You like yeah, it. You, you enjoy want to doing do it. it. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. A hometown kid pursues his dreams. There, there are certain things that just happen within your life that you, you just know that it's what you're supposed to do. Introducing Matt Crowder as himself, interviewing fellow musicians and colleagues in the wacky. We turned down to leave one night, and a kind of drunk girl stole one of my drums and t- took off to the car with it. <laughs> she wanted a souvenir. Wild. I almost got shot. <laughs> He's like, I heard somebody coming to the door. I knew what's going on. He's like, his gun's like, dude, it's me. <laughs> Wonderful world of the music biz. This is the decord. My name is Matt Crowder. I'm the host of this podcast, and with me a special guest, Todd Johnson and uh, Angela. Yes. Nice to meet you finally. Nice to meet you. It's great to see you again. Hey, so thank you for uh, w- welcome us. to the show. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having us. So let's uh, let's just dive right in, man. Uh, cool. Uh, whoever wants to go first, how did you get started? Where are you from? All that good stuff. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? What go. do you think? Uh, as far as getting started with music and stuff, I started when I was probably uh, kind of around 14, 15, just kind of in high school, starting to learn how to play guitar yeah. and stuff. So. Same here. Same here. I, I wish I had. Like ha- was had an introduction when I was a kid. Okay, but I didn't really start taking it seriously until I was about fourteen. Yeah, well, I started taking piano lessons, and I when I was much younger than that, and I had a uh, a very uh, I was probably about eight or nine. I had a very pretty piano teacher, and then she went to college, and then she gave me her piano teacher at the church that she was at, and she was about. Uh, seventy five, and and for some reason I just suddenly lost interest. I don't know what it <laughs> so was. It's more about the uh, the teacher than it was the actual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I realize that now. I didn't realize that at the time. No, I, I just I don't know. Piano never really stuck with me, and um, I wish it did. I think I'd be a better player if it did. If it stuck with yeah, me. Yeah, like when I, that's funny because when I was a little kid, like uh, my aunt, uh, she was right next door. She had like this upright piano. And uh-huh. I had no idea what I was doing. Had no, yeah. but I would just like play on it, which is nice because like the the major keys are separated yeah. from the the, the <laughs> yeah. sharps and and flats. Yeah, so you can literally just hit the keys and make a little nice little melody. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's in the key of C, I can I can play anything on a piano. <laughs> you know, I just said you know I don't have to get in worry about what the you know any sharps or flats are. But the uh, I started doing that. I mean, I was always. I was really into songwriting really, really young. Yeah, I just didn't yeah. know how to do it. Like, I would write little songs or poems or different stuff like that. I just didn't I, – I didn't have a way – I didn't have an instrument or a way – or a friend who had an instrument or mm-hmm. anything like that to really get into it. But I started playing guitar um, 
I was around 13 or 14, maybe a little older. I don't remember. But my uh, my stepdad had a guitar that was just kind of up in the attic. And I found it. And I was like, I really want to start playing guitar. You know, can I get some guitar lessons? And uh, and so I started taking lessons and kind of really take, taking it serious and stuff like that. And uh, and that's kind of, that's really where I got started was just kind of at that younger age. Do you remember any of the, old, the songs that you used to come up with? Uh, I would, I was had this habit of learning a song and then trying to rewrite it in a way but yeah. but didn't realize and I still kind of do that a little bit of like well I'll take a song I really like and then find a way like well how would I write it that way or how I'd do that you know and um, but I would like the earlier songs were always like Smells Like Teen Spirit and Nirvana and all that stuff yeah. my, my I've got the uh, I've got a brother who's 10 years older than me so when I was always younger he would come in with these cool new records, you know, and all that kind of, you know, well, new cassettes and CDs. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so it was always, never mind, you know, it was always mm-hmm. Smashing Pumpkins, it was always Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and, and all that stuff. And so I was always really into that 90s alternative stuff from a really, really young age. And like this teenage angst music that I totally didn't get as an eight year old. Yeah, sure. You know, like I totally didn't get, <laughs> I didn't get it. But, um, but I always really liked it. And my brother, I really kind of give some credit to, because he was always, he would always do this weird thing where he'd be like, well, what does this song mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, and as a seven or eight-year-old, you're like, whatever, you know? <laughs> but that always is kind of stuck with me. But that, yeah, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit would be a song that I would do a lot. Um, a lot of Nirvana. I was a lot of that sort of stuff. And whatever anyone else at high school was starting to play at the same time. Sure. Because yeah. th- there's always like that group of kids who was like five or six guitar players. Yeah. And they all hang out and they all nerd out about like, well, did you, did, do you know how to play Black Dog from Led Zeppelin? And you're like, no, I don't. Well, Jimmy knows how to play it. And I know how to play it. <laughs> so you'd go home and learn how to play Black Dog and you'd try to do it. But, you know, there's this weird yeah. camaraderie, but still, uh, you know, Still, very weird um, competition. In a way. I mean, that's kind of guitar players, though. Really. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You never lose that. You never lose that. You still, even when you go out to bars now, you know, and you hop up and you play with somebody, you you, you always look at them. And you go, okay. You can always spot the musicians in the crowd because they're usually the ones with their arms folded. <laughs> yeah, looking you know? intently or pulling out a notepad and taking notes, you know, or sort of something like that's yeah. always the you know, that's the guy. What's well, funny? Because you're talking about. Uh, like songwriting and stuff like that when you're a kid and kind of like that plagiarizing almost. Yeah. Cause I definitely plagiarized Bobby McFerrin when I was like, Oh three. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, you know that song, don't worry, be happy. Yeah. And I, I came up with one called don't worry, baby. That was pretty much the same tune. <laughs> yeah. Then I had another one that was, uh, it was called old days in a Western. Which oh yeah. I knew nothing about Westerns, you know? Yeah. I was just like, I work real hard just to get my pay. Old days in a western, old days, you know, stuff That's like awesome. that. You know, yeah. Well, I had uh, there was one. I can't remember the the song. It was a country artist, and uh, me and his friend. God, his name. Was, I think his name was Kessler. He was a friend of mine, and this was like in elementary school, and we didn't, you know, we didn't know anything. And we had a tape recorder. And we recorded onto the. It was one of those old school boomboxes. You had like the A side and the B side, so you could put two tapes sure, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you could record from the other tape. Yeah, make mixtapes. Used to do that stuff all the time. Yeah, and you could do this thing where you like turn the volume down, and then turn it back up, and where the vocals were coming in. So we would make our own little karaoke tracks 
and whether it worked or not, we thought it did. When, you know, however, we mixed it, mm-hmm. but we would do it to where we would turn the vocals down, so that way that would be the part where we would sing over, and sure. then we would turn it back up in the <laughs> yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was that was always really cool to me is like playing with the knobs and and, and getting it worked out. But we would do God, I cannot remember the song, but it was some song. Some country song, and we replaced every verse with a verse about being an animal. Like the first verse, I don't remember the song for the life of me, but the first verse was like being about like what it's like to be a lion, mm-hmm. and then the next verse was about being a uh, like a zebra. Nice, you know. And and it was you know, and I remember being like, I remember having the thoughts of well, this song this is really important because being a zebra is totally different. You know, you, you got to think. <laughs> You're like hunted now, you know. Yeah. It's all changed, you know. And, and it, you get in this way deep level. That like dichotomy said, of lying, lying, lions and zebras. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it doesn't make any. You know, you don't have any real world experience at that age yeah, to sure. really know what you're talking about. I've seen Animal Planet a couple times. I think I know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. But anyway, that was always uh, that was always kind of where I started from with a, a little bit with some of that. That when I really got into it was in high school, early high school. So about you, Angela? Uh, how did you uh, get started? What was your first introduction? Wow. Um, well, I've been singing since I was a little girl. Sang all growing up. Um, mostly listened to Linda Ronstadt, Carol King, Carly Simon because that's who my mom loved. Okay. So that's <laughs> who I listened to. Did um, theater, some theater nice. stuff. Um, and then I stopped singing for quite a while. Career took me in another direction. And then I met Todd one day when I decided to jump up on stage during a live band karaoke moment. And uh, <laughs> the rest is kind of history. Yeah. So, like, uh, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I did theater as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in plays even from a young age. Uh, I was like, I don't know what happened, but I used to be a cute kid. And so, like, uh, like everybody wanted me to be in their wedding, and, and like, so that led to me being in plays and stuff oh, like that. That's awesome. And then, like, and then performing in like in musicals and things like that. So, is that what you did? Yes, yes, it's what I did. You did. A I would lot even of that. I would I did a lot of that, and even when I was really small, like five, when we'd go to the doctor's office, I would jump up on the on the. Um, secretary's desk and like entertain everyone who was, <laughs> who was waiting so, natural, natural born yeah, performer yeah. yes what would yes. you sing any like, song country roads was always my go-to nice. was the first song i learned all the words to so you just hop up and wow. sing Some in the john denver office. nice yeah. yes. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. i had a i had a teacher one time it was like right uh i guess it wasn't too long after when when, when was the plane crash it was like the plane crash that that, that he died. Uh, oh, yeah. that was. I, um, uh, I want to say it was. 80s? I don't know. I want to say it was like maybe early nineties. Yeah, but but I, I just remember like uh, the teacher I had at the time, like just being really broken up about it, <laughs> and me not like understanding who he was, but yeah. not really mm-hmm. like I knew John Denver from uh, Son in Law, the Pauly Shore movie. Oh, oh, well, oh Thank yeah. God I'm a country boy. <laughs> yeah, oh, like God, that, that yeah. scene where he's in the tractor. Yeah, like, like that's how I knew. John that's Denver. how you, and you're like you're, you're worried about that guy. Yeah, <laughs> you're not not like not one of these idols of American songwriting, but yeah. but a Polly Shore movie. Yeah. Well, I mean that's I mean that's it's interesting how like movies and, and music well, kind of work fi- together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's always pop it's always culture. That, yeah, yeah. Well, it's always that finding something and be like, what is this? And then you go down the rabbit hole and figure out more about a, an artist, but. So I mean, uh, going back to you, you writing these songs and recording yeah. these songs too, uh, 
that's kind of interesting being at a young age and like figuring how to like remove vocals and like re-record stuff. Yeah. Oh. To, to where you are now, like yeah. working on uh, new material and things yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that that's always been something that really uh, was really a big thing to me was was doing that. Like I said, like my brother would always ask me, like, well, how and what does this mean? And and that was always an interesting thing. Like he wasn't a musician or anything, but I think I don't know if it was a product of my, my brother thinks very deeply, you know, especially to me as a as a seven year old and him as a seventeen year old, obviously. <laughs> He, you know, but he, like, it would be like, like, I remember talking about Smashing Pumpkins and him being like, so what does this mean? You know, and it's like, the song was like, uh, like Bullet with Butterfly Wings, like, despite all my rage, I'm still yeah. just a rat in a cage or whatever. And as a seven-year-old, he's like, what does that mean? And it's not a hard lyric to get, but for a seven-year-old, they're not going to think about that. <laughs> and I was like, I guess it means I'm still held down by, you know, the problems or what, you know. And, and then with that, with like just messing around with having like a stereo that fortunately because and it may have been his you know because he was very very much about music and loved music and was really into it and it could have been his stereo that had all these little options on it and i do remember trying to turn the volume down and and do all that stuff and it's been a natural progression for me like i as far as the love that i've had writing songs performing Mm -hmm. recording and all that stuff has always been very important but then when I, um, and this was definitely much later in my, in kind of like in college and, and stuff, uh, was going to a recording program and doing some of that. When I got behind a console, it made, it, it, it was the only other thing in my life that has felt like home. Sure. Like yeah, being yeah, on yeah, a stage. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was very fortunate to play in bands and stuff when I was 15, 16, playing out in bars until two or three in the morning, you know. And I really liked that. And with that his was, mom there. Yeah, with my mom there. <laughs> yeah. Which, now that I think back about it, I'm just like, you know, at the time, I'm like, geez, mom. But now That's I think back awesome. about it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, my parents let me go out to a bar. Yeah, yeah. At like 15. <laughs> and play from 10 to 2 in the morning. Yeah. You know, and then crazy. drive back home. You know, and you, and you think about it, I'm like, I'm so thankful that I had that, like, that and those experiences. And, uh... And them still being there and making sure, like, okay, is everything everything going okay? Yeah. You know? But but that really, like, the second that happened, you know, I felt like I was always kind of searching for something as a kid. And the second that bit, that bit, and, and playing music and playing out live was my thing. And I had done a lot of recording through a band that I was with um, called Blind Crisis, mm-hmm. which now, looking back, was a very fitting name. Because uh, that was a little bit of what it turned into being, <laughs> but uh, it was it was a good band. Everyone in it was great, and I I, I still like everyone in it. It's, it's a really cool thing. But it's it's funny, you know, when especially at that age for me, it's like looking at it. You know, when you're 15 and 16, you're like, this music business thing can't be that hard. Yeah, and we got it. We just we make a record, and then we're gonna go on tour. It's all just fun and games. We'll just we'll just play and exactly. I don't and know everybody's to... gonna come to our show. And yeah, I don't I don't understand why this is gonna be a problem, but. Um, but that was my first real taste of recording, and I, I was recording there, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't the engineer, I wasn't the producer, mm-hmm. I wasn't any of that. You know, I didn't have any aspects of that by any means. I was just, you know, in the band. And then when I went to school for it, and I, I really, it took me a very long time to realize that I really wanted to do that. So you went to school for engineering. I did. I okay. Did. Wow. I went to the Larry Gatlin School of it's a it's the Entertainment Technologies program at uh, G Tech in, in Guilford County, 
and uh, it was one of the kind of the first schools like that that kind of popped up other than some of the big names with like 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 the recording academy in Charlotte or in Cleveland and a couple other different places but this place was it was almost like this perfect area of having these great professors who were you know some of these guys were you know Grammy members who had done a lot of stuff and you know worked with Rancid and worked with you know you know like some Beatles tribute albums mm-hmm. and, and all these bigger things and the uh, the head of the program was you know was a guy who was a touring manager for big country acts like Montgomery Gentry and all, all right. this stuff. Wow! And uh, got to learn from these guys, and I got to meet a lot of really good musicians there. And that was the first situation of okay, let's learn about signal flow, let's learn about microphones, let's learn about you know how to run a board and all these. Yeah. Stuff. And that was that was the only other thing in my that entire basic life. information that just I mean, yeah. yeah yeah. And it was so good. It was so good to pick up because I'd seen it. Mm-hmm. So many times of, of being on the other side of the glass in a studio and, you know, standing in a room that's, you know, got the foam on the wall, but you don't know why. And it's got carpets on the floor and you don't know why. And the ceilings are, are vaulted and you don't know why, but you, you're supposed to just go in there and, and sing. And I was always so concerned with well, why is the why is the ceiling like that? <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. you know, why, why this microphone instead of the other 80 microphones you have? Like, what is about like that that needs to happen? And when I got behind a board and was able to start working with a band or, you know, working with just some other student who would go in the studio and work, like, that was the first time in a really long time that I was like, this is either better or just like playing on stage. Yeah. Like, those two things, being in a producer chair and being on a stage were were the two things that I've that the only effects that I've had in my entire life that are like this is just as good as that thing. Yeah. Well, what's what's nice about recording is is like it's as long as there's the source file. Yeah. It's it's forever. It's eternal. Absolutely. You well, know? and it's capturing a moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. And that was something, and, it, and it's capturing the right moment in time. You know, it, it's it's kind of like um, it, it it's kind of like some artist who. Uh, well, I mean, even going back to like early Suns records with like Elvis and stuff like that, it's, you know, they do three or four takes and then it was right. But it's like, that was the right moment. Sure. Yeah. You know, and those sort of things, uh, it's like, this is a moment to be remembered about and, and playing live. Well, the Mona Lisa was a second take. Well, exactly. Yeah, you know, you it, know. It, I mean, if you want to look. If, well, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah, He actually painted over it and, and did some things differently. That's really cool. But there's a painting underneath the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, if you think about it like that, I mean... Gotta pay so much money to see what the painting <laughs> underneath it is, just to understand the process, yeah. you know? I think it's just slightly different. Like, I, it, it yeah. might be a different face or something. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Man. Now it's like one of the most famous paintings in the world, but yeah. it started out as, as just, just a, a cover-up. Yeah. Wow. Well, and that's probably... That's always my favorite thing with recording, too, especially with producing a band, is like that, is like looking at the demo... Mm-hmm. Looking at the artist coming in and, and playing just the acoustic or or having a singer come in and having somebody accompany him or, 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 or having a singer come in and just be like, I've got this idea. You know, I remember one of the first things I ever got to see someone else produce on. I was assistant producer on it. And this was this was one of the things that led me to just be like, no, this is what I'm going to school for. Because I was going to UNCG for a while and I was trying to do like their communications program and find the radio program because I wanted to play with the knobs and all that stuff. But I was able to finagle myself into like an assistant production gig. And it was this artist who wrote these songs and she just sang them. Mm-hmm. And just, that was it. It was just her singing them. And then we 
built a song around that. Sure. And that what like based off what, the melody that she said. The melody that she did and watching that and picking the key and picking the tempo and doing this mm-hmm. and what does the instrumentation mean to the delivery of the song and to the integrity of the artist. Yeah. That you're, you know, is she an R and B artist? Is she more of a rock artist? Is sure. She, you know, and that sort of thing really. You know, to see something go, like you said, like like the Mona Lisa, like the rough draft, mm-hmm. to going to being one of the biggest paintings in the world. Like, those are the things that I love yeah. to, to experiment in and work on and and really build into. And that's what I love about the studios, because you get the time to do that. Even, even if Absolutely, it is yeah. even if it is five hours. Yeah. Even if it is going in and being like, nope, that's the perfect moment. We can never replicate it. Yeah. Um, you know, with live, it's always... It's right there. Yeah. That, that's it. That's that's the moment, and that's what makes it beautiful. Is that it's going to be raw. It's going to be rugged. And uh, with a recording, it's like, do you want it to be raw and rugged? Do you want it to be polished? Do you want it to yeah. be all these things? You know, and the you know, it's it, it, that was the only other thing to me is like, like being a producer on the few albums that I got to do it on was absolutely amazing. Well, that's awesome. So, Angela, um, you you did all this theater stuff, I right? Did. did you did you did you go to college? Did you do theater in college? or No, I went to college and took criminal justice. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah. I was a police officer for 10 years really? in Durham. Wow. Yeah, wow. so singing kind of stopped. That kind of started. And I went a long time without doing any stage performing or anything. And then, like I no said... No karaoke or anything? Karaoke every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Funerals and weddings, oh, my friends yeah. would call me, you know? Um, but not a lot of performing kind of stuff until I met Todd. And then I kind of mm-hmm. jump back into it, and now I'm like, oh, why did I stop? Yeah. So how was your career as a police officer? Fun. It's fun? It was fun. I loved it. Durham, busy all the time. Yeah. It was, I'm sure uh, you have a lot of interesting a stories lot of interesting to tell. interesting stories. Yeah, I loved it. It was fun. It was all I'd pretty much ever really wanted to do since I was 12. Yeah. So I did it. It was great. Wow. So, like, uh, we're sitting inside your store right now. Yes. Uh, grits and Grace, right? Mm-hmm. Grit and Grace. No grit, S. Grit. No, it's okay. no, no S. No S. One, only one grit. Only <laughs> one grit. One. Us Southerners always want to make it about grits. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite dishes, shrimp and grits with an S. I had to have more than yes. one grit. But Grit and Grace. Grit and Grace. So I've done this for about, the store's been open for three years. So it's more about attitude um, and, it is. and grace. Yes. Not not the food. Not the food. Not the food, but no. more of like the attitude. The gotcha. attitude, yeah. Gotcha. And everybody's a little bit of both. Sure. Everybody's yeah, got a little yeah. bit of both. So, yeah. So uh, tell me, tell us about your store. Um, My store, well, I am a music lover. And so you can kind Clearly. of tell that yeah. looking mm-hmm. around. Um, very <clears throat> influenced by music and art. Um. Yeah, I mean, when I was a police officer, I was looking for an outlet while I was doing it that wasn't sure. law enforcement related. Well, I mean, like, I worked in mental you. health for 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. which, not too dissimilar. Uh, no. Your job was much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would get punched in the face. That would be the, yeah. the most th- worst thing I had to worry about. But uh, just, you have to have some kind of stress reliever. You do. You got to have some kind of hobby, some oh, something sure. to, you know, because... It'll drive you crazy. It will drive you crazy. So um, I started making soap and taking it to the flea market and honestly did that for 15 years. Did shows, made soap. Then I started making art. Opportunity kind of knocked down here in Mebane and I just went for it. Wow. So three years, I've had grit and grace. So when did you uh, when did you meet Todd? Um, 
four years ago? Almost four yeah, years ago? Yeah, four years ago. Yeah, I was out at what used to be Bootleggers. It used to be Bootleggers. Now Whiskey Sours. Now Whiskey Sours. My mom yep. was in town. We're like, let's go out and have fun. And so I jumped up on, I mean... They were doing yeah. live band karaoke. I'm like, cool. I can. My mom's here. So I jumped up there, and I remember looking at him and being like, I haven't done this in a really long time, and I'm really nervous. So yeah. let's just yep. I, see I how it goes. That. I remember that. Yeah. Isn't it funny how things like that happen? Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. And you guys have never met before? Never no, interacted? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely never met before then. Absolutely not. And what was funny is, is that didn't come back up until months later. Like, we met then, and it wasn't like one of those, like, we met then, and then, like... We ought to start a band. Like it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that way at all. It was. Mm-hmm. It, it was months later um, because I was, you know, that was that was a fun gig, and I was doing that on Wednesdays, and then playing out in two or three other bands or whatever, you know, through that whole time. And uh, then it was later when I uh, think you were still doing. You were doing like the soap, and you were doing the stuff. I hadn't opened the store yet. You hadn't and, opened the store yet. Um, and there was a store down here that was selling my art and soap, and I'd wholesale it to her. And she needed, she had a line in her store called Lyricology, and it was a bunch of canvases with song lyrics on mm-hmm. them. Nice. So she's like, I want to do a show. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I can sing, and I, I met this guitar player, and we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of went like that. Yeah, essentially, I walked in this store and just to check like, it guess out. What? And it was yeah. like, I think the second time I went in there, it was like, mm. you, you want to play here? It's like, yeah, we sure, had- I'll do a gig. You know, I was always yeah. looking for a gig. I was like, sure, I'll do a gig. And she's like, well, I'll book if I book it, I'm going to sing on it. And I was like, you better sing on it, just kind of jokingly. <laughs> and then uh, and then like, the next day, I got a message. It was like, uh, so we booked this show. I was and like, we've got was like, like 30 we? songs to learn. <laughs> These are what they yeah. are. I was like, oh, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then we started rehearsing. Yeah. And we found out that we kind of meshed. We like to sing together. So it worked. We started yeah, it really adding, worked. It worked. So we started adding a bunch of songs that weren't on the Lyricology show mm-hmm. stuff and mm-hmm. ended up doing like a three-hour show. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I think, yeah, I think they wanted kind of like a full show and the Lyricology mm-hmm. thing. It was, we broke it down. There was only going to be like. Like an hour, and we're like, well, we, you know, we'll just add what we want. Yeah, I was like, well, I, I got a couple songs in the back pocket. Is there anything that you've ever wanted to sing? And yeah. just kind of did that. And there was a lot of fun. It, it was, was, you know, just a fun, cool, cool little show. And that was probably about the once again, like the second time we'd even met. And it was like, you want to sing? So it was it was very quick. the it The was. entire time of knowing each other was about just going mm-hmm. up and singing, which was really cool. It was. It was fun. And then eventually, um, I learned that he did a little bit of graphic art, mm-hmm. and I was getting ready to open a store, mm-hmm. so now he designs all the t-shirts in here. Oh, yep. nice. So, yep. it worked out. That was kind of like, do you know a graphic designer? And I was like, well, I'm like, for what? Because I make flyers for our shows. Right. And... Um, and she's like, oh, just t-shirts. And I was like, well, they're really simple. I can do it. If they're, if they're more, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So the first one or two we did was was pretty simple, but they... They worked. They worked, and I think they did pretty well. And then it was mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I need to like figure out what I'm doing yeah. Yeah. with this graphic design. I totally BS'd my way through the first yeah. five shirts. You know, she's like, I want something like this. I'm like, okay. I've bluffed my way through many of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was great. It was really yeah. cool. It was a neat thing to do. It was a cool little, like, I was getting a chance to perform and sing. You were getting a chance to design shirts. Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a good exchange of Yeah, it was. And I will come down and do, like, shows at the store and stuff. And, yes. You know, and, that, and that's, so it was always kind of, 
known if that needed to be a, a mixed event, Angela could hop up or, or any of that stuff, or we could put on a show together and, and, and do that. So that's kind of where we first knew each other. But, and this was, this was before, this is before I really had moved down to Charlotte. This is before I did the band or anything like that. Where are you that, originally so. from? Are you from here or so I'm, I'm originally, so I was kind of from Statesville. My, when I, from what I remember, I was born in Virginia, moved to Statesville when I was two. My parents got split, so I moved when I was about 10 to Randleman, Ashboro area. Mm-hmm. That's where I started kind of playing in bands. I went to high school, moved to Greensboro, was there for a bit. Moved back to Ashboro and then moved to uh, Mevin. So as far as where I'm from, mm-hmm. I don't really All have over. a yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really have a place. A big a big like thirty mile vicinity yeah, yeah, of yeah, North yeah. Carolina is is where where I'm from. But no, I when I moved here, uh, I really I really enjoyed Mevin and really enjoyed living here for the couple of years I was here, and uh, it always kind of had a. Uh, kind of impact to me and I really like that but last few years I've, I've lived in Charlotte I lived in Charlotte for about two years now I live a little north of north of Charlotte but yeah. I still I still really like being near the Charlotte area and yeah. being a part of that it's it's still easy to get to and still still a bigger area that sure. I really like so so are you a are you from this area no. because like yeah. I, I, I'm listening to you I'm listening to you talk and I'm like <laughs> if that sounds a little uh it doesn't sound quite like the South to me. No, not quite. I've been here. I'm from New York. I'm from upstate New York. Okay. I've been here since 95. So I've got like a little mix accent, I guess, going on. Yeah. So I, I kind of like that, though. I like, I like a, the combination yeah. of the yeah. two. The eclectic. It, it's it's precise, and, and, and but still a little bit laid back. Mm-hmm. She'll still say y'all, but you can understand Sometimes. her. Yeah. Or you guys. You guys or y'all. Yeah. You guys. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's great. Uh, I, I went to New York one time. New York City? Yeah, New York City. Yeah. I was there for 11 hours. Wow. Uh, almost got arrested. That's Why? perfect. Why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we didn't get there until like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So we did all the touristy stuff. We, we saw Times Square. Mm-hmm. We went to eat at uh, Tom's Restaurant, the, the diner from Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> we went to... the. It was like super touristy. We went to uh, the bar that's uh, that the bar from How I Met Your Mother is based off of. Wow. Okay. We went to a comedy show. Then we went to Greenwich Village. You did the stuff wow. in eleven hours. That's a yeah. lot in eleven hours. Um, I think I went to. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. We uh, no. It was like it was just crazy. Like we we kind of just like stormed New York. That's awesome. Like it was me and two other friends, and we're just like we're from like Danville, Virginia. Like yeah. Virginians, Did country you guys just boys, like walk like, with, with that are u- that are used to the county. <laughs> yeah, like but the thing is, like man, these we, buildings we, are tall. We looked up, you know, a little bit, and was like, ah, whatever. Yeah. And then like we just like was like, where can we get a drink? <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. where that's what we were more concerned about. <laughs> There's so, a lot going on here. So like, hey, uh, down. <laughs> we end up in this bar in, uh, in Greenwich Village, and uh, my friend got kicked out. So by then, like we we were leaving at three a.m. and like, none of us were really ready to leave, but my friend got kicked out. We were all, like, kind of, like, stumbling around. So we finally get a cab, and we had to get to uh, uh, Penn, Penn Station, right there okay. underneath uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we get over there, and I have to take a piss so bad. And Oh, man. Like, oh. you know, I'm used to, like, hey, there's some woods right there. Yeah. Like, I'll just go to, 
to the woods. And uh, so I'm in Penn Station, and I couldn't find a bathroom to save my life. So I go down into the bottom level, and every corner, there was like a homeless person sitting there. Yeah. I, was, I was like, I can't piss on them, you know? Like, <laughs> I can't do that, you know? So, like, I go back upstairs, and by the time I get back upstairs, my friend is at the desk arguing with a police officer. Oh, that's already a good story. He was like, you know, he, I'm just trying to find out when our, you know, where we need to be for our train and all this stuff. And so finally, like, uh, I'm sure, like, he gets it all the time. That that particular guy, he is has to deal with drunk people all the time. Yeah. So he wasn't having it. And so, like, he was just like, I come over there, and I was like, he was like, is this your friend? I was like, yeah. And uh, <laughs> he was like, get him out of here. Like, just just take him away from me. <laughs> and uh, and so, like, finally, like, we figure out where we need to be for our train. We're standing in line, and the cop uh, brings over the tiniest bottle of water and hands it to my friend. He's like, here, suck on this. <laughs> and we get on our train, and... Uh, Did you ever go piss? Once I got to the train. Okay. Once, once, you got, I got, yeah. once I got on the train. That's a smart move to, oh to not gosh. do it in front of a cop. Yeah. That's a smart move. Yeah. But the thing about it is, it's like... But the brains of the bunch here. That, like, I'm in the city, and I'm, you know, where can I go? Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm used go? to the woods. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you're no upstate, woods. though, so you, you, yes, it's like kind of like farming area. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like this. <laughs> yeah. It's just like Mevin, really. <laughs> Except snow. A lot of snow. Yeah. But, but I, I, I very much liked it. It was fun. It was yeah. a fun time. Did you ever, you ever get in the city? Once. Once, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So much like myself, yeah. Yeah. That's the craziest thing is I've never, you know, and maybe this is part of the problem with with just certain things of understanding the city but I've, I've always listened to people who talk about the city you know but i've never personally met anyone who's like yeah i lived in brooklyn you know or, or yeah. you know had a part in you know lived in manhattan you know, like it's just so that the people i've met it's always i've never really had too much of a chance to converse about it but everyone else it's been like me where it's like that you walk out from penn station and you look at the buildings and you're like oh go to statue of liberty you know and, yeah and you do the touristy stuff for a day, and then you're like, "I'd love to come back here," and and I've never been. Yeah, you know, it's that for, same. For me, I think it would just it would New York would just be too much fun. Yes, because oh, like yeah. around here by two o'clock, everything's done, and it's yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. There's 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 a good ex- society has said <laughs> you need to go home. <laughs> you have done too much stuff. Yeah, and as a musician, that's always hard because you, you we, like we you, get done at like two. And you're like, and and like, like, the adrenaline's still going. Yeah. You can't, you can't go to bed right you're away. You're like, let's go. Let's go do something. You're like, yeah. nah, dude. Like, even the Taco Bell's closed, man. You can't do anything. <laughs> so you're just like, like, sheets, trips. Oh, man. I love, I love, like, the like five years ago, sheets came down to North Carolina. And that was the greatest thing that has ever happened <laughs> for musicians anywhere. Like, I would buy stock and sheets just out of pure joy for that company. <laughs> because, oh, there's been plenty of times I haven't been able to eat. Yeah. You know, you get done, you're like, well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll eat when I get home five hours from now. <laughs> you know, and, and sheets, man, you can you can get you can get gas, you can get food, you can get everything. That MTO. You need to you, yeah, man. You need to you need to talk to them about maybe a sponsorship because <laughs> I, I will I will I will gladly do a voiceover if you need it for sheets sponsorship. Sheets made order. <laughs> made order. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, so we've gotten so off topic, but uh, um, God, it's fine. So let's let's talk about the revolvers. <laughs> yes, let's. Um, where do where do you want to start with the revolvers? Let's start with the inception. Um, I was living in Charlotte. I I just kind of moved down to Charlotte from here, and 
I did a very was this last year sometime or this was about three years ago. Oh, three years. Okay, well. maybe right for I think yeah, three years ago. Kind of by the time I moved to Charlotte, I was kind of doing some stuff up here, and I had so much going on. I started having voice issues, and I started being in a bunch of bands. I started having stuff, and and I was just going through a lot to where I was like, I need a reset button. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out what the hell I'm even doing this for, you know? Because I I absolutely loved playing, but somewhere along the way. I got really obsessed with being a gigging musician, and once I became that, I realized the world that that comes with it, and some of it wasn't as fulfilling. I think what I realized was fulfilling for me later was being a songwriter. Sure, being, yeah. You know, being, that's why I loved the studio so much. That's why I loved parts of the stage so much, but it wasn't necessarily about being the best instrumentalist I could be. It was about writing songs or creating moments or, and all that kind of stuff. So when I moved to Charlotte, it, I was like in this, okay, I'm able to move to Charlotte. I'm able to to go down there to a place that's a little more friendly to some of this original thing. I think that's what I want to do. And I essentially went down there and set up all my recording equipment, took everything I had as far as my drum set, my bass, my bass amp, and all these things I'd taken from being a fill-in musician with other mm-hmm. bands – and like set it up in my brother's basement who lives in Charlotte I just took all my stuff down there and was just like I, I need somewhere to a place to stay for a couple months figure out get on my feet and just figure out what I'm doing yeah and so I just went down there and I set everything set everything up and the first record I ever made a solo record was uh, Nowhere to Go But Up and I did that in school and that was like a let's just see if I can do this mm-hmm and I had a lot of other guest musicians on it because I didn't really trust my ability as a drummer or a bass player or anything like that to really do it. And when I got when I got into that basement, it was the ba- it was the best thing I could have done. It was like nothing is better to figure out what you need to do with sure. yourself. Yeah. But taking the tools you need and getting in a space that's enclosed and say, "All right, work hard, do it, yeah. get it done." And so and so I recorded uh, an EP. Uh, it's called self-explanatory, and I felt like it worked well because a lot of the songs were, a lot of it was kind of personal, but it was the first time I tried to write stuff. I really allowed, as a songwriter for the first time in years, to write stuff that was personal, not necessarily vague, not necessarily like if you're feeling sad, you write a song that's kind of sad, or you mm-hmm. you write kind of happy, like writing stuff that was absolutely true you know yeah yeah and uh and i was i felt like i was wrestling a lot of stuff you know i felt like i was drinking a lot i felt yeah. like i was smoking cigarettes a lot i felt like i was really hitting a lot of these things hard that were just covering up how i was really feeling you yeah. know and um and i really let that stuff out you know i really yeah. let out how i felt and try to make them there in relatable ways and so i made this you know just five song ep i just wrote everything brand new and um, and I wrote about Mebin and just my time here. I wrote about you know drink too much. I wrote about uh, how I wanted to work. And um, I did this record. And I was really happy with it. You know, I, I, I played the drums on. I played the bass on. I played the guitar. And it was the first time in in a, in a while with music. I was like, this is that's what I need to do. Yeah, that's what I really need to do. And I was happy with that. And then 
I was like, well, this sounds really good, but I can't, I can't play everything live. Yeah. You know, I can't, <laughs> can't play the drums and do everything live. So, you know, I started playing with it. I released it as soon as I could. I didn't do a release party or anything. I just, I just, it was almost just like, for lack of a better term, just like vomiting it out, like just getting all yeah. of these songs and these ideas and just putting them out. And then I would just go and play them all acoustic. And I was like, okay, if I'm going back to my roots of what I started doing this for, I liked being in a band. And every band I'd really ever been in was all for one and one for all. And there was a camaraderie to it. You know, sure, we'd make yeah. a record, but because all of us didn't feel that the record was perfect, even if it was just one person, then we didn't put the record out. And then it ended up becoming animosity and that band would fail and we'd never do good. Sure. You know, and then it would be with this other band, something else would happen. And it started getting to the point with me that I realized that when you do the all for one, one for all thing, like for myself, it just, it just didn't, I wasn't able to ever be in a group that, that went further than that. Yeah. You know, that like, this is as far as we go because there's one member who's having a life changing experience and whether or not that's right or wrong, whether or not that's the best thing for that member, uh, the best thing for the band was, was not there, you know, yeah. or, or something had happened. So, you know, I was like, all right, well, let me, I'm going to be a solo artist. This is the first thing I'm going to do. I really want to, I'll, I'll do that. I'll be a solo artist. And I did that for like a month and hated it. Absolutely. Hated <laughs> it. Like I didn't want to be a solo artist. I was like, the band is the most important thing yeah, to me. Yeah. It's always the most important thing to me. And I was like, how do you be a band and be a solo artist? And so for the last couple of years, like my father, son, and Holy Ghost has basically become like Springsteen and, and Mellencamp and Petty, you know, and I realized like all of these bands that I really like, you know, like had Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, mm -hmm. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, you know, Huey Lewis and the News, you know, these are all bands that are, the band is important and you yeah, know exactly. that they're important yeah. and they're, you know. They and have their own identity. They, and they have their own identity. And it even goes back to like Buddy Holly and the Crickets, Crickets you know. Yeah. And there is, and I wanted to have a little bit of that old school rock band feel. Because, yeah. when, you know, when someone asks me like, what do we do? It's like, we put on a rock show and I want to, I want to blow the speakers out of the place. You know, I want it to be the craziest, funnest thing that, to where you come back the next time. You know, I don't want to play the same songs you've heard before, and it's okay, and you maybe drink, and you do like I want to like blow blow the roof off of the place. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so I kind of had the idea with that. With I was like, well, let's do a solo record, and let me build a band. And I had sent the record out. I you know, I'd, I'd put it out, and I had a, a bunch of friends that I played with just from being that kind of you know hired gun uh, musician for years. I'd send it out to a couple friends, and they would say, uh, yeah, I like the record. It's really cool. If you need me to play a one-off show or something, I can do it. You know, If you're in town, and I've got the date off, and you know, the band doesn't mind, and mm -hmm. all that, you know, those sort of stipulations. And I was like, that's really cool, you know, because this was always my favorite guitar player. Mm -hmm. This is always my favorite drummer from this other band. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, and it would be like, how cool would it be to build like that, you know, like the dream team band for one show? And uh, then I was in Charlotte, and it was the same way. There'd be a lot of guys that, you know, build that dream team band for there. I was like, well, what if I, like, revolved the band in and out? What if they, if it was rotating members? Yeah. And, and so I started doing that. And, and so I came up with the idea of Todd Johnson and the Revolvers. So I really wanted the band to be important and the show to be important. 
And I found that the best way to do that was to make, you know, to say these songs, this is something I've done, but this band is super important. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this drummer is the best swing style drummer that you can find. And it makes these songs sound different. And it does. It really does. I mean, like, we've played shows uh, where, you know, I'll have a sax player, I'll have, you know, keyboard players and, you know, violin players. And well, I can do stripped down acoustic shows with this band, and it's really intimate and really there. And then I could do shows where I get, you know, just a powerhouse, heavy hitting drummer. And, and it's just massive rock concert. You know? That's pretty interesting, too, because with that whole concept yeah even if you've seen Todd Johnson the Revolvers 10 times before yeah the 11th time it's it's, different it's gonna be different and it's different for us yeah and that's that's what I absolutely love about it keeps it fresh I mean that sounds really great yeah yeah well and I've had songs that I've had people tell me about it really lets me figure out what my songs mean very quickly Mm -hmm. by having a different band because I have different band members tell me what it means like we've got a like there's a song off the last record called My Voice that I figured out was I was scared to put it out because it was so personal. Mm-hmm. Cause I always try to write with that balance of uh, you know doing something that's important to me but also important to the listener. And that was the first song I felt like was way too personal because I just I you know there was a month period where I lost my voice and I couldn't sing and I had to go get you know endoscopies and look at my throat and all that stuff and it wasn't fun and and I didn't know what to do with myself and um, so I wrote this song. And I was really scared. It was too personal. Like, no one's going to care about... No one's going to be able to connect about losing your voice. Yeah. And so, when we did it and we put it out, and this was kind of about the time Angela started joining the band, and we did a show, and we had a keyboard player. who's was a good friend of mine who was almost like a gospel keyboard player mm-hmm. and did great uh, backing vocals as well. We did the show, and in the middle of the show, we play my voice, and I always felt like it just it didn't fit because it was too personal and no one could ever like connect to it. And then we did the show, and the like the middle of the song just kind of became. There's this one line where it just says like "Rejoice, I got my voice," mm-hmm. and that was just more of a wordplay thing. And then the middle of the song, it, Ryan's over here just suddenly starting to just say "Rejoice" over and over, and the crowd and this thing that didn't really need to be any sort of spiritual kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, did that. Mm-hmm. And the crowd interacted. And, 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 and I saw that and I was like, this is something like, this is something on a deeper level. You know, mm-hmm. everyone has a voice. You only get one, you know, and I realized where that song kind of had its footing for. And that was the cool thing with that is, you know, you, you can take something that totally doesn't, that can totally be the selfish thing. And then you find out that it does connect to everybody. Mm-hmm. It does all of it. And that, and that was the greatest thing to, to figure that out. And my yeah. voice was the big thing to me that was like, okay, this is right. This, this revolver yeah. thing is right. You know, just based on the title alone, it could be interpreted many different so many ways. ways. Yeah. Like, just having a voice, yeah. having, having a say. Well, and I've yeah. had people come up and talk to me about like gay rights. Yeah. With it. I've wow. had, you know, and I, and I, and, and how it meant. And I wasn't expecting that. And it made me so happy to hear that. Like, if just any way, like that's the best thing as a as a songwriter that anyone can come up and do is tell you your song meant something way different to me. <laughs> you know, that was the you know, and it was a positive thing. Yeah. And that was one of those things. I was like, okay, this is 
this is the right way to do it is is to let go enough and let other people have a hand in it here's my voice It's tragic with moments of bliss From a hole in your heart to a true love's kiss You could never take all this Moments I would never miss The guilt can eat away at night Pretending it's wrong don't make it right you could never take my life I'll always have a way to fight
It's interesting how that happens because, I mean, something that means one thing to you can yeah. mean a million different other things to other people. Yeah. Well, and it's true. And it's I remember doing a solo show with another song off that record called Off the Wagon Again. And uh, and that kind of goes into talking about, you know, there's, there's a line in it that's uh, like drinking, smoking, and singing could be the death of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was one of those things like I totally felt at a moment, you know, almost like this chris christopherson kind of sunday, sunday morning, morning coming, coming down, down. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of thing of like that that i feel like every musician is kind of hit where you're like god i'm hungover and i smoked too much and i played way too late last night oh i want to do it again you know <laughs> <laughs> like like you can't help it, it you know and and then you start realizing like it wasn't the drinking and the smoking like that was me being stupid mm-hmm. it was the playing that was the, that was the thing like being in that moment that was the thing and that's kind of what that song was about, you know. And to me too, like I, I was like, you know, I wanted to have hope at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So I made the last verse about love and how, you know, the first verse and and you know it was about smoking and the second was about drinking and it's like, oh, I fell off the wagon again. Said I wasn't going to do that. Now I'm off the wagon. The third verse was a little bit like, you know, I've had a lot of bad things happen, and I don't really want to open up and let anyone love me. Mm-hmm. And and when you just making that statement is mm-hmm. is like a big like holy cow that's a that's a big like if I was in a therapy like in a therapy session I would have figured out a lot about sure, myself you yeah, know yeah. and uh, but the fact that I was able to allow myself to write it and mm-hmm. write that deeply for the first time about my own problems and really get that out and say I don't know if I can allow myself to love somebody but sometimes. I just do it. I guess I fell off the wagon again. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things like it's okay to let yourself fall out of bad habits. Mm-hmm. It's okay to let yourself fall into good habits. Sure. Um, so do you feel like your writing is a catharsis? A little uh, bit, yeah. yeah. My my writing has always been a battle. Yeah. There's a, there's a battle in it. There's always got to be that. You <laughs> know? Even even now still. Yeah. Like even with the new songs we're putting out, uh-huh. it's it's still that way. So yeah. do, do you have, okay. is it a collaborative uh, experience when it comes to writing new songs? It's, or? it's starting to be. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Yeah. I really, really like that. Um, I think I was scared for a minute yeah. with that. Yeah. And that's kind of where the band started. And I didn't want it to to fall apart. Because mm-hmm. I felt like every a lot of things I'd done before like that, it kind of fall apart. But I feel like the Revolvers now... You know, we like I said, we played with about twenty five other members, but we now have got a like, it's the five of us that are the core members now, and that mean that came just from being you know I'd play the same gig with the same bass player because he would always kill it, and you know Angela came in the band and it was like well there's surely hell no other way I'm getting another female vocalist, <laughs> you know and she she always it always did amazing and always really worked well for the show, 
And I was like, you know, there's a connection there that I never want to let go. And and then I'd start finding that with with you know Joe, our bass player, with Tyler, our drummer, with Jay, our new keyboard player, and everything. And I was like, like these are the like this is the guys. Like if we, I still want to keep the revolvers there if we have somebody else come in, and if we need to record, you know, if if we need to record a song a different way. Sure. Yeah. But now that we've got this like this core group of the five of us, the the writing's going is starting to go that way. It's starting to be, and I'm allowing myself to kind of open up yeah. with that a little yeah. bit. So, um, this is a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I understand the, yeah. the apprehension about it because yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. Well, it gets tough when you're like, you know, especially when you're writing something personal. Yeah. You, you don't want to, you know, let somebody else. And then you're speak. like, eh, yeah. can you do that? What do you, th- eh. <laughs> yeah. you know, that always gets weird. But the cool thing is, is uh, because I've finally gotten comfortable with that a little bit, I'm starting to allow myself to write differently and write for this band mm-hmm. instead of just me and starting to let other people kind of in it and stuff. But like the coolest thing that uh, I think that I've never done as a songwriter and, you know, I mean, I've written over a hundred songs and I've never done this where I wrote a song from a woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. And we did this with mm-hmm. a song. Uh, it's called Hot Damn. Yes, and it was very interesting. Yeah, no, how that all came about because yeah. he's like, write me, write me a list. It started with a list, like it write me a list. list of your favorite things, like ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I sent you a list, and you basically wrote a song from a woman's perspective about a about a man. About a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like it's accurate? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Well, and that was and that was the thing. Once I did the demo, I was like, "All right, you need to listen to this. Yeah, yeah. make sure this is make uh, sure legit. this is right." You know, yeah. and it wasn't about like make sure you like this because you're going to sing it one day. It was yeah. like, did I? Eh. You know, because it was so it was so different. And there's, and there's a and there's a part in there that Todd sings from a man's perspective. Yeah. But the but the song is about yeah. Both. And I really debated with that because I really didn't I really didn't want it to be like. All right, I'm going to write her a song, but I got to sing a part in it. Like, like I really debated with that. But the second verse is is the the man's part is kind of short, mm-hmm. and the whole song deals with uh, something I'd heard before from friends and and you know not not to this is totally not a uh, stereotypical thing about women or men or anything like that. But I think we all have our things personally that we do. And I've heard of men who do this too, but I, I, it just, it hit me about women who sometimes will, where I've met friends of mine, he will say, I'm crazy about this guy. I'm like, we well, ought to go see him. You ought to, you know, talk to him. It's like, no, no, nope, nope, nope. Don't you dare tell him I told you. Don't you, uh, uh, don't, uh, you know, mm-hmm. don't, you can tell him I said, hey, but don't tell him anything else, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it, it's that kind of confusing thing that all men and women do where it all goes into, cause you're worried about, this is the person you really want to talk to, but you're scared of that self-acceptance, you know? Yeah. And I felt like that self-acceptance, even though that could be man or woman, was so much more tender and relatable for a woman to say it. Yeah. Is to say, I don't know, this could seem perfect and you seem amazing, but I don't want to dedicate because of that self-acceptance that I could be wrong. Yeah. Giving somebody else the power to reject you. Yes. That, that whole thing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And that was the song. And, and I wanted... Talking about like as far as the hope thing or like the battle, mm-hmm. I really like the idea of the battle of the song being that the guy goes, uh, where did the, uh, where is she, where, where is, is she, she at? You know, and the whole song is her going, 
uh, oh, he's perfect. Oh, he's amazing. But don't you dare, don't know. You can he's tell him. He's a train I, and a yeah. copper and a storm and ripped jeans. He's all like, of these, he's all these he's things. All of these things. But then. But then the chorus says like, don't tell him that I talked about you. Don't yeah. tell him that I said anything. You can tell him I said hi. And, and the tagline is like, hot damn, if you see that man, tell him I said hi. But that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. And, and that sort of tagline tags both of it. It's like, you know, hot damn. Like you never say hot damn about like a really bad meal, you know, like, <laughs> like you say it about something amazing. So that's something. Just one water, hot damn. Yeah, hot yeah. damn, you know. <laughs> so it was like, hot damn, if you see that man, just wait, wait, just, uh, just tell him I said, hey. You know, yeah. and, and that's kind of what that says in a way is 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 those insecurities that you have yourself. And so the 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 second verse that that I really wanted to write, and I asked you too, is like, is this good? Does this need the man second verse? So I didn't want to take it over. I didn't want it to be like I'm taking the song over. But the second verse is like, you know, talking about her very much. You kind of hear a man talking about is like almost like she was a ghost. Like she was like you know. She was whiskey in the winter, mm-hmm. you know, a reminder of the pain. Like, oh, like it's, you know, oh, it hurts so good. And all that kind of so good. You know, and I don't know where she went. All she ever said to me was goodbye. Uh, where did the <laughs> f*** is this girl? And, um, you know, and I felt like that just made it a little bit more. So that was something really cool to do. And what was lately what we've been doing that's really cool is I'll write a song and then I'll let the band take it. Sure. Yes, you and know. that's fun, and, and that's pr- that's great. Yeah, that's fun. Well, it's like best that you can do, which is a song that we so just. What do you mean by you let the band take it? Like uh, as far as like structurally or stru- structurally or and melodically, lyrically. Oh, lyrically. melodically even too. Yeah, with, with Angela, it's always it's so you'll always come up lyrically. with a like a rough draft, and then like mm-hmm. if there's a line that they think might, could work better, they'll mm-hmm. okay. So. Yeah, I, I yeah well. We've had that a little bit, but it's it's been really as far as lyrically, it's been a little more like is and ands and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is really important. Sure. You know, to to have something say, I would never give you up, and I would never give you up are two very different things. Yeah. You know, yeah. or, or but I would never give you up. That that's that's one of the things we did with this sure. last song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is uh, but I would never give you up makes so much more sense in the context of this song. So that's that's kind of it's always been like polishing like the. The sure, finish thing. Sure, yeah. But lately, we're we're kind of getting in a lot more. Like we've got two or three now that uh, that we're doing a little more now. Like raise a little hell is a little bit more that way. It is. And then, um, you know, we've we've got some of those songs. The the one that we just put out though was definitely one that I wrote and came to the band with and was like, "This is the song. This is what it is." Mm-hmm. And what what could, let's let's make it happen. So the band is definitely there. You know, you can really feel the drummer's power on it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a very powerful drum song. We have a very powerful drummer. And so that is, that's there. You know, our bass player is very much the same way. Um, you know, and Angela has a very strong vocal. And I feel like having a strong band playing a not strong song really, and by not strong song, I mean it's not as it's a slower tune for us it's not mm-hmm. you know we usually try to with all of these songs and trying to like a deep, ballad of yeah, sorts, yeah yeah i'd say it's it's the ballad of the band even when we talk about all these songs that get deep and personal they're still upbeat they're mm-hmm. still fine you know like i always try to write with like all right we can still play this in a bar and people are going to drink and have a you know yeah great time with but this is one it's a little more the the that thing but i think angela added a lot to this last song just by doing uh singing the chorus with me she does the backing vocals in the verse 
and then we do an alternating lead thing in the in the chorus mm-hmm. and it really it's another one of those battle songs to me yeah of, that's great I always like that with uh, with uh, the band yes how like yes absolutely how it would be like one one member seeing the verses and, yes. and another member seeing yes old, all the rest of them seeing backup yeah and then it would switch for the for the chorus absolutely yeah. well and the weight is such a perfect and that's why that's why we still play mm-hmm. the weight in bars today yeah you know and it's everyone thinks it's oh this is a fun classical drinking song you know but the thing that is really important for people to realize with songwriting is that you they said so much about there's so much religious overtones mm-hmm. with that. There's so many mm-hmm. other things as far as deep personal things in that song. You still played in bars and things. And the, the thing that people need to realize as far as like a songwriting perspective is you need to do what is it's the balance. It's all about the balance. Do what is important for you. Put your feelings in it and do what's important for them and put their feelings in it. You know, there's so many bands that are like, well, this is what the audience is going to like. So we're going to play these songs. And then there's other bands that are like, well, this is what's good for me. So I'm going to play these songs. And nobody comes to that show. <laughs> nobody cares to hear your experimental weirdness unless it's just – if it's not good experimental yeah, weirdness. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And then sometimes with, with playing other people's songs and doing other covers, there's a lot – I mean we love to play covers and there, there's nothing bad about that. But you can see bands that are just like, all right, well this is what we're supposed to play. So let's just go and do that. And – you have to find that balance because that's where it's at. If you find the balance of doing what's personal to you, but is also doing what is great for them, mm-hmm. everybody in the room loves it. Yeah. And everybody in the room connects on a bigger level. And sure. everybody does all of that stuff. And that's where it, that's where the magic of it happens. Okay. Well, let's, well, let's talk a little bit more about this uh, this new song yeah. that uh, it's going to play on the show. Absolutely. Um, What's the what's the name of it? Best that you can do. Best that you can do. Is this the one you're talking about? It's the ballad that that you, yeah. you guys are going back and forth on. Yeah, and uh, with that too, as far as like some of the some of the stuff with it is the chorus line has the me saying is is that the best that you can do, and right after that line she sings the best that I can do, and I uh, kind of came up with the idea because to me it's, it's like call and response. Yeah, kind of sort of yeah. Yeah, when to me it's almost like imagine like singing a song in a mirror. Is, okay. is very much how gotcha. I think of this song. Okay, well, yeah. there's a lot of people that will say because the very first line of the song is sometimes I think the best thing I could do for you is break your heart. And there's a lot of people who like when we played it live would be like that's a really deep breakup song. But it's but it's not a breakup song. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's like a, it, you have to yeah listen well, to it. Yeah, you know you have to listen to the lyrics to get that. But it has a lot of verbiage in there that is mm-hmm. breaking that is breaking hearts breaking and, up and breaking heart but it's really at the end you know, of the day it's it's not that yeah but once it's again it's probably more uh, well i mean which basically basically you talking about it. i haven't heard it yet so yeah. like i have no idea i'm just speculating yeah but it almost sounds like you're you're more like i'm saving you from me a little kinda, bit kind of thing there's a little bit of that well there's there's the there's that fear of falling back to that and i think in any relationship yeah or any, and, I, and when I say relationship, I mean with anything. Yeah. yeah. Where where you go, uh, geez, maybe I'm not the right person for this thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're kind of like, it's that is is that the best I can do? Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that that yelling at yourself a little bit and going in and doing it, and mm-hmm. how sometimes afterwards you're kind of like, but there's moments in the song to me, like the biggest moment to me that that is is the mo- most emotionally charged is like. 
is before even the the chorus at the end of each verse there's a part that's but I would never give you up and you would never let me leave and it's kind of saying even through all of this stuff and being in your own head and stuff that's where you really figure out you know what this this is this is what I need to do mm-hmm. this is where it's at you know and I need to do the best that I can do to make this go further and so for me it was I mean it the song really started as going like writing something and it's a simple chord structure that's you know just four chords it's mm-hmm. simple and I started writing the lyrics I started getting in there and I'm like is this the best that I can do yeah, you know is this yeah, the, like yeah, yeah I couldn't even come up with a tagline I was like is this seriously is this the best you can do and uh Eureka yeah yeah <laughs> it was a little bit like that and I was like well maybe that's something to go with so that's that's really how the song was born with was 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 me having a problem with writing my own songs and being like you've done this before dude mm-hmm. come on and uh, and then once I hit that, it tapped into anything else that you could feel that self conscious about. Yeah. And letting once again allowing myself to be like, it's okay to be self conscious. It's okay. It's okay to let that happen. And that was you know that's really been the best thing from my songwriting lately. Here's the brand new track from Todd Johnson and the Revolvers. Best that you can do. Sometimes I think the best thing I could do for you is break your heart Then you wouldn't hear me complain or feel the pain of us being apart Sometimes I think if I were smarter I would have it all figured out Then you could sleep through the night Everything would be alright, no doubt 
That's great. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more from from you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you go on the show. Oh, dude, thank you yeah, so much for fun. having us. This was t- this was <laughs> a ball of fun, man. Thank you yeah, so much. Absolutely. Um, so, like, where can uh, where can people find you online and things like that? You can find us at toddjohnsonartist.com. It's T-O-D-D johnsonartist.com. Uh, search in Facebook uh, for Todd Johnson and the Revolvers. We're on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. So you're you Spotify? Yeah. Yes. iTunes as well? Yep. And so this song so is on So you have there. music available for purchase and all that good stuff. It's all there for purchase, streaming, all that stuff. We've got... Is this new song available? The new song is now available. Okay, it's now available. Okay, great. We've got a music video that's actually debuting tomorrow... Well, Monday... Okay. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be debuting yeah. the music video. So by the time this comes out, the mu- the music video will be absolutely, okay, absolutely. Available. So check out our website and Facebook. I'll we've, put a link to that on the on the. That'd page. be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. So we've got some more of that stuff, and we've actually got the next song we're talking about going in the studio and doing just like this. You know, it's it. This one's this one's the ballad that's just released. The next one we've got is the is the big dancey one. Nice, so, nice. Big fun dancey throwdown. So. <laughs> Well, that's great. Uh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much. Before, man. before we go, like, let's just end it on a, a fun little note. Yeah. Uh, favorite word, least favorite word. Okay. Or do you want to go first? Or you want me? Yeah. To go my first? least favorite word is moist. <laughs> okay. I hate it. Okay. What's your? What? <laughs> I don't know. There have been band words. members who have come said back that to me to on her. favorite word, and I it's just, like that's it ruins my least the show, favorite word, which sucks. Oh, you got no go favorite word. Go for it. You, so you're not a big fan least. of Betty Crocker. No, <laughs> harmonious. Har- that's, oh, wow. that's a nice word. That's, that's a, a nice word. word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> least favorite word is can't. Oh God, you went deep. And my favorite, my favorite word is is. <laughs> because, I just, because it's the I, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be. But uh, it covers a lot of things. It, co- it covers so many things, and it, it really, when you say it, it really gets your. And point across, yeah. you know, and and I, I should. It's, it's like the salt and pepper of words. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. It's the perfect seasoning. Yeah, and once you go there, you can't go back. Like that's that's you went there. Yeah, you know. So, True. all right. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. See y'all next yeah. time. Yep. This one is entitled "Gossip Gospel." Your Lord ain't feeling hostile,
Gossip, gospel. 